would this morning and turn to 1 Samuel and chapter number 20. 1 Samuel and chapter number 20. Now, it's a sweet little verse in here that uh, moves my heart when I read this verse. And I think, uh, uh, I, I think I've used it one time uh, in a sermon, and that was a funeral sermon earlier this year, actually. I mentioned it. And I want to bring it as the text of the message this morning and uh, kind of go a little bit of a different direction than I did in the, the funeral message. But it's in First uh, Samuel chapter 20 and verse number 18 is our text verse. Uh, I want to get a little bit of a running start. So we'll read three verses, 16, 17, and 18 of First Samuel and chapter number 20. And let's stand together, please, for the reading of God's Word. And we'll read all three of these verses together in unison. 1 Samuel, and chapter number 20, verses 16, 17, and 18. And let's read together. Ready? So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. Isn't that a sweet thought? Thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. Brother Cape was up here in the Sunday school hour talking about Dr. Lee Robertson, who lived to 97, the great Highland Park Baptist Church in Tennessee Temple University. I was saved under Dr. Bob Settle. His portrait's here in the hallway. And he's uh, graduated, of course, from Tennessee Temple University. Uh, My college president, Dr. Wendell Evans, a graduate of Tennessee Temple University. These men were influenced by Dr. Lee Robertson, built one of the great soul-winning churches uh, in the generation before us. But, uh, Brother Cape, a little jealous of you to be able to have been so close to him. But, uh, uh, But that chair is empty now, isn't it? That chair is empty. And nobody could take that man's place. He was a giant of the faith. He really was. And nobody can take his place. And we miss I, I, we miss these men. We miss these great men. A number of these men that are my mentors here in the hallway. Brother Howes, my pastor of seven years. And uh, next to my dad influenced me, I guess, as much as any other man. But uh, I miss him. His chair is empty. Dr. Carl Hatch, Dr. Carl Hatch, his face is empty, and I miss him. And you got folks you love that you miss, don't you? And uh, Jonathan said this uh, uh, to David, his bosom friend. He said, tomorrow's a new moon, and thou shalt be missed. Thou shalt be missed. I want to take that little phrase and just preach a little while. Uh, on that subject this morning, thou shalt be missed. I wonder why he said that. And I want to try to help us just a little bit. Father, we love you. We need you just now. Without you, we can do nothing. And yet we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. So we ask, Lord, that you empower me as I speak. And these as they hear, that it will be your spirit communicating to the hearts of your people. And, uh, Lord, let me just be a, a, a mouthpiece, a voice is all. And may it be your spirit that does the preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Thou shalt be missed 
because thy seat will be empty. To give the context of this little phrase, uh, 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 David, uh, David's still a very young man. David, when David killed Goliath, he was 18 years old. Jonathan was 46 and Saul was 68. Sometimes we think of Jonathan and David as being very close in age, but they were not. It was more like a grandfather, father, grandson as far as the, the age differential. But uh, David had killed Goliath and back in, uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, chapter number uh, 17. David had killed Goliath and, uh, and, and, and came back to give the report. There's a, there's a rout of the Philistines, uh, God's uh, people, their arch enemies. Goliath was killed and, and David, this teenage lad, comes back and, and he gives a report. And, um, and uh, when he does, uh, 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 he gives a report of, of, of what happened and he gives a report to King Saul. There he is in the presence of King Saul. And in chapter 18, turn back if you would, in chapter number 18, uh, in verse number 1, and we begin to learn about how it was that Jonathan's heart was so knit to, to Saul's. It said in chapter 18, it came to pass when he, David, had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe, the royal robe, that was upon him and gave it to David in his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. What Jonathan was doing was saying, it was in a ceremonial fashion, saying, David, I, I recognize that though by, uh, by, by, though I'm the, the heir, and, 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 and uh, by right of heredity, it should come to me. I'm recognizing that God's hand is upon you. Jonathan saw it right away. I don't think Jonathan... We have no hint in the scriptures that Jonathan was ever jealous of David. He saw right away. Here's this teenage lad. And again, remember, uh, Jonathan's 46 years old, right in that neighborhood of 46 years old. But he can see God's hand on this young man. He comes in ceremonial fashion and hands to David his royal robe, hands to David his own sword, as if to say, I recognize that God's anointing is upon your life. And the Bible said that his heart was knit. His soul was knit with the soul of David. And he, he loved him as he loved his own soul. Unfortunately, down in verse 9 of chapter number 18, after the battle, the ladies wrote a song. And they, and they began to sing the song as the men were coming back for battle. And, and, uh, and uh, you say, David has slain his thousands and... Uh, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands, and there's King Saul, and there's the entourages that come back from war. And when Saul heard that song, the green-eyed monster of envy bit him. And he was never the same after that. The Bible said, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who can stand before envy? You know what, you know what the difference between jealousy and envy is? Jealousy is, I wish I had what you have. Envy is, I wish I had what you have, and since I can't have it, I don't want you to have it either. 
people will destroy a relationship that two people enjoy with one another simply because they can't have it themselves and get nothing out of it. And Saul became envious. The Bible said down here, verse number 8, and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the, uh, the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Uh, 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 he was tormented from that day forward. Uh, King Saul was uh, 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 was like a rubber band, pulled super tight. He lived a stressful life, a fretful life, always trying to hold on to something that he knew was slipping out of his hands. He's laughed. Now, here's a man, 68 years old, and uh, and uh, 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 50 years, uh, uh, David Sr., here is jealous of him. That's a sad situation, isn't it? And, uh, and so, uh, 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 as you... Uh, perhaps are familiar, Saul's envy grew. And he got to the place where he just, he despised David and literally tried to kill him on a number of occasions. He, uh, in fact, in chapter 19 that follows, he sends a dispatch three times of soldiers to have David arrested so he can bring, uh, David flees to, uh, uh, to Ramah where the prophet Samuel is. And he sends three dispatches of soldiers to have him arrested so he can bring him back and have him executed. And David always seems to slip away uh, uh, from Saul and escape. God's hand of protection is on him. And, and so finally, uh, 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 Jonathan, he sees this and he talks to his father. He said, Dad, he said, why, why are you so angry at David? David means you no harm. He loves you. He's loyal to you. He's been a help to you. He's been a blessing to you. David, is a, again, as just a young man, was very skilled. The Bible said he's cunning and playing uh, of the harp. He was a skilled musician. And uh, he had developed a great talent. And, he, and, and, and one of the greatest verses of the Bible, by the way, is in that little story where the Bible said that he was refreshed and he was well and the evil spirit departed. Three ways music affects you spiritually, emotionally, and, uh, and physically. And anyway, uh, uh, but David would play the harp for King Saul and, 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 that, and it would calm him down. And he could breathe. That word refreshed there. And that means he could breathe easily. And he could breathe. And blood pressure would go down. And, 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 and he, he, David had been a blessing in Saul's life. But then that envy would come back again. And he'd go into a rage. And, 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 and multiple times uh, King Saul tried to kill him. and take his javelin and, and try to pin David to the wall with his own javelin there in the throne room. And, and Jonathan pleaded uh, for David to his father said, Dad, Dad, David's loyal to you. He doesn't want to hurt you. Why are you so angry with him? Why? And and Saul would repent. And Saul said, you're right, son. I, I'm not going to hurt him. And find themselves in in the middle of a broken relationship. Jonathan loved his father as well as he should, and he loved his friend David. And he didn't want to believe that his own father would hate his best friend. He just had a hard time accepting that. Dad and his dad said, all right, son, I'm not going to harm David. And you're right, David's been loyal. And Ab, he believed his father. In time comes, the Bible calls it the new moon in our text verse. It's like a holiday, like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. They had sacrifices on the first day of us. Uh, and of course, David... Uh, by this time, as uh, David uh, is a part of the family, he's not just a bosom friend of Jonathan. Now he's his brother-in-law, and the time has come. And and uh, and uh, 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 David said, uh, Jonathan, I, 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 if I show up there, your dad, he, he wants to kill me. I said, No, no, no. I talked to him, David. I talked to him. He's not going to kill. No, I'm telling you. He said, This is a step. He said, If I show up that, he said, It's going to be the death of me. He said, Let's do something. And, he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go. I've got a hideout out, out, out in the wilderness. 
I got a hideout out there. I'll go hide that. And Jonathan, of course, knew where to find David. Saul didn't know anything about this. And he said, if I, if I, uh, he said, uh, if your dad asked about me, he said, then I'll, then I'll, if he, if he didn't ask about me, he said, then I'll, I'll feel safer. But if he demands to know where I am, he said, then I'll know my life's in danger. And you'll be able to tell. The first day uh, of the feast, several days, the first day of the feast, uh, 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 Saul didn't say anything. And so some time, and the, the feasting continued until finally Saul looked at Jonathan and said, Jonathan, where's David? And they had already contrived this plan, what they would say to Saul. And Jonathan said, uh, well, his family was sacrificing at home. They wanted to celebrate at home and have their sacrifices at home. And, and, uh, and so he asked if he could be dismissed. See, David had a seat at the table. David was expected there at the meal. And when, when, when Jonathan told his father that, told his father that Saul went into a rage. Saul went into a rage. He said, you fool, don't you understand that he wants your, he's supposed to be your throne. Don't you understand he has designs for the throne. Now, David had no design for the throne. God anointed him for the throne. He didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for it. But Saul wanted it. Saul coveted his throne and it was slipping away. So many times the accusations we make against someone else say more about us than it does the person we're accusing. And that was the case in Saul's life. Saul went into a rage. And they had, Jonathan and David had, uh, had a plan together. And in fact, Jonathan got there to your hideout. And he said, I'll come out. He said, if, if anybody sees me communicating or sending any messages, he said, boy, I'll be in trouble myself. So I'll get my, I'll get my servant and we'll go out and I'll practice some archery. And I'm in the woods where you are. And I'll go out there and I'll shoot my arrows. And he said, if my arrows fall short, then you'll know it's all right. You come on in. Everything's safe. He said, but if I shoot beyond then you'll know that means you need to flee because, yes, indeed, my dad is set on having you killed. Sadly, Jonathan got it. One of his servants went out. So I'm going to practice my archery a little bit. Went out in the field, and he shot that arrow. David watched that arrow fly through the air and go over, far over. Jonathan shot his arrows, and the servant went to find the arrows and so forth, and he sent his servant on back. And Jonathan and David privately met together. They privately met together. In concocting this plan, they knew something. They knew that David had a place at the table. They knew that David would be expected to be there. They knew that David would be missed when his seat was empty. And thus the conversation of our text verse, when Jonathan said, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed because thy seat. Why would he be missed? Let me give some thoughts. First of all, because he was loved. Loved his own soul, and his soul was knit to Jonathan's soul was knit to David's, and he loved him as his own soul. Loved the Bible says, and this is the thing that's ironic. In fact, you go back to chapter sixteen. Go back to sixteen for just a moment, if you would, and look at verse number twenty-one. When when Saul first began to be tormented by this this evil spirit kept him all tied in knots and worried to death all the time. One of his servants said, there's a young man down there, Jesse's boy, and he's really, he's really good at the harp, and he plays music. And I tell you something, it'll soothe your soul. The Bible said in verse 21, And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. Saul loved David. He loved him greatly. You know, Saul, there was a time that Saul before, envy can spoil a relationship. Jealousy and envy will ruin something beautiful. 
But there was a time where Saul had a deep appreciation. Sadly, that was all spoiled. David was loved at one time by Saul. Now he's the object. And because he was loved, he was missed. Because he was loved, he was missed. Can I tell you something? The Bible said, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than him. You try to get you discouraged. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. In fact, nobody loves you. I've lost track. I know it's well over 20 now times that I've resided over a funeral. Took their own life. And, you know, I think about how they're hid. And says, you know, nobody cares about you. Nobody even miss you. In fact, somebody, they'd be better off with you, without you. You know what John eight forty four says about our, the devil? said, our arch enemy is the father of all lies. He's been doing it a long time and he's really good at it. We entertain those lies in our mind. We start thinking about those lies and pretty soon we've said them over and over and again in our mind until they start sounding. The definition of deception is this, is when you believe something that's false, you believe it to be true. That's deception. And the Bible said we, are, we become, James said we become self-deceived. We deceive ourselves. And when we play those lies, nobody, I'm stupid. Nobody cares about me. Nobody would miss me. Folks would be better off without me. Even God doesn't love me. Let me tell you something, my friend. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved the world so much he gave his son Jesus Christ on the cross. Now listen, what you ought to do is this. You ought to call the old devil out. You ought to call him out. Let me tell you something. If somebody lies to, lies to you, call him out on it. Call him out on it. fellow came to me. And my office was over there before he had this building. And a man came to me, and he was missing several fingers uh, for some money. He said, I need some money. And uh, he said, I'll pay you back on Friday. I'm down in Florida, and I, I'm, I'm headed home, and so I got an insurance check coming. Anyway, he wasn't a very good liar. <laughs> and Florida. I said, you on your way to Rockingham? He said, yes, sir. I said, you overshot it. I said, what? I said sir, why don't you just level with me? Just tell me what you need. And he cursed me. Because if I told you the truth, you wouldn't give me anything. And I said, sir, if you got to lie to get something. Uh, a man, a man, uh, and can I tell you something? If the devil is the master liar, why are you putting any confidence in what he has to say to you? He's a liar. I said he's a liar. I said he's a liar. Now, my Bible says God loved the world. My Bible says he gave his son as a sacrifice for you and I. And I serve notice to you today that there's nothing greater that God could do than to give His only begotten Son to die on an old rugged cross for us to prove His love for us. I don't think you mean to do so, but don't insinuate the sacrifice of God the Father by entertaining the lies the devil the devil does. He's, he's sliding God. That's what he's doing. He's sliding God. and He's saying, God, God doesn't really love you. He's the liar and he's calling God a liar. Hey, the devil's a liar. I said, the devil's a liar. God Almighty loves us and He proved His love when He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Uh, I'm so glad. Listen, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. I'm glad. I do. The old devil say, nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody would miss you. You have no purpose. Oh, listen, my Bible said, Ecclesiastes, to all living there is hope. Amen. God's got a purpose. And if you put your finger right there and you feel something go thump, 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 then God's got a purpose for you. Amen. And God loves you, my dear friend. God loves you. You know, I'm so glad. This may sound strange. I'm so glad God gave us grief. I'm glad God gave us grief. Grief 
allows us to release our hearts. God, I'm, I'm glad God allows us to weep. Amen. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Hey, it, it, it's not masculine to have dry eyes. Fellas, let me just help you with that. It's nothing masculine about having dry eyes. Run around with your feelings on your sleeve or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you something. I'm glad God gave us a depth of feeling. God allows us to grieve. God allows us to pour out the heartache that's in our soul of, of life. You need joy, but you also need sorrow. And one of the sad things that's happened in our society, I don't want to be sad. Let me tell you something. Maybe you need to be sad. Maybe God knows you need to be sad. For it's all here and, uh, and everything's uh, uh, just, uh, uh, just uh, a bad problems and heartaches come into our life so He can use us to comfort someone else. You miss somebody. Why? That speaks of the love you had for them. The grief that you had for them. He said, Pastor, my heart's breaking. I don't think I can stand it. Wonderful thing that God allowed you to love and, and to miss someone that you've... We lost Abigail. You've heard me tell this many times, but we lost Abigail, our first little girl, back in... Perhaps there's a time and place for that. But more than a few times, more than came and said, you need, here, here's your prescription. She said, no, thank you. And she did have help. Dwelling inside of her is the... yes. You've cried and we've cried and we've wept and you've wept. Oh, but that would speak. Opportunity to release the, the sorrow that's in our souls. Thank God. Hey, listen. I, I, I hope you cry a lot. <laughs> oh, listen, David. He said, David, your seat's going to be empty. You'll be missed. Why? He said, preacher, I don't know if anybody loves me. Then just love someone else. Don't worry about it if somebody loves you. If you keep in track of how many friends you've got, you've got the whole thing backwards. You, you, you don't go out looking for a friend. It's selfish. Forget if you have any friends or not. Go be a friend. Nobody sits with my son at the, at the lunch table. Wham, wham, wham. Call the ambulance. For friends. The Bible said, he that hath friends must show himself. Where literally, you, you ask my wife, literally no one came. Uh, down in Seagrove, the big Baptist church down in Seagrove, I lost the name of it, where you got married, Rick. We stood there for 11, 11, 15. And he looked at me and said, well, he said, I guess, I guess we're not having the service today. Up on two wheels coming into the cemetery was a carload of people. I mean, 11, 15 of us there. Now, you, you, maybe you've been to a service like that. It's, it took time. But you've also been to funerals where the line was out the door for hours and hours and hours. Now, the crowd spoke of the one in the casket. You got to have friends, must show themselves friendly. He said, I'll have you friends. Well, get with it, buddy. Uh, 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 to the missions trip in Honduras and you come back with jet lag, goes right straight into, into the junior camp. And, and let me tell you something, uh, I don't believe in purgatory, but if there is a purgatory, it's staying in the cabin with junior kids for a week. That's purgatory. <laughs> the smell alone would be enough to qualify as purgatory. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying, listen, there's broken hearts everywhere. There's people everywhere with a need. You say, well, how do I start? I tell you what, get you a handful of gospel tracks right out there in that track rack. And when you walk out the door and when you see somebody, you say, I'm scared to death. They don't say anything long. And you know what? It won't be long until somebody says, what's this? They say, that's, a, that's the thing my 
pastor said, give people. He has some verses on it. What's the verses about? About how to go to heaven. Really? I've been thinking about that. Listen, first time or two that happens to yourself. woo Hey, this is all right. Giving myself away is all right. Listen, I don't know about you, my dear friend. I don't know how many friends I have. I, I, I don't know for sure how many people love me, but I pray every day, God, fill me with your love and love others through me. And David was a man who was loved because he was a loving man. Oh, listen, my dear friend, help us to be that kind of man. The Bible said we love Him because He first loved us. Thou shalt be missed. Why? He was loved. He was loved. I want to say there's something else. He would be missed. Why? Man, it, it was mealtime. That's why. It was mealtime. It was time for those who knew and loved each other and served together to come together. And David would be there. The Bible calls it the new moon, which is, again was like a holiday. And it was mealtime. And everybody's at their place, and there, David's seat was empty. And Jonathan said, when your seat's empty, Dad's going to wonder. You're always there. The Bible says, uh, 7, Proverbs in chapter number 27. Let me read this little verse for you about a man's place. The Bible said this in verse number 8. He said, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Church, seven years, as average. Seven years on average. Average pastor stays three years or less. Sometimes we, we just talk about the pastors. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Hey, you know what every, every Christian needs, every believer needs? Now, I, 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 I'm not saying this church, but I, I believe this. I believe every, if, I mean, if you're born again, saved on your way to heaven, say amen. amen. I believe the local church is for you. I think you need a spot somewhere in a local church. You need a place. You need a place. And you know what? You need the place, and the place needs you. Amen. You need the place, and the place needs you. Amen? David had a place. And they said, we're going to miss. If you're, put your feelings away. If you're not in your place, would you be missed? Would you be missed? I'm not trying to be unkind, but here's the fact of the matter. If some folks not in their place, nobody think thinking in the world about it. Nobody think thinking in the world about it. If others weren't in their place, people would be asking right away, hey, so-and-so, where's so-and-so? Are they all right? Everybody all right? Everybody okay? Yeah. David said, they said, David, you're going to be missed. Why? Because your seat's going to be empty. You've got a place. See why? Because he had a place at the table. And folks were used to sitting there. And that place was going to be empty. That place is going to be empty. The pain that's in some of your hearts this morning uh, uh, and, and the loss that you suffered. And that place, that place where once that person uh, was, where once that person sat, where once that person lay, is now empty. Now empty. Dear Miss Bond, pray for the Daniel family. And her brother went to be with the Lord, I trust, just a couple of days ago from his found him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? There he was. Jonathan said, your, your place will be empty. Your spot will be empty. Not the person you love. Some of you this coming year are going to experience the holidays. That place will be empty and those you love will be missed. Why is this? Because David was a faithful man. It was recognized that David was a man of duty. David, a man of honor. David, a man who kept his commitments. And the Bible said that a faithful man shall abound with blessings in Proverbs 28, 20. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, a faithful man who can find... 1 Corinthians 4, 2 said, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful, and David was such a man. There's an expectation on David. You know, for, for, for our, our flesh chafes against this. Now, let's stay with me. Our flesh chafes against this. 
Our flesh wants to benefit without the nature. I remember Mrs. Kissler, my uh, homeroom teacher, and she taught us English literature. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I think I was in school career. And uh, 16 of us in our class. And she, uh, she, go, she every day, we had, we had literature class after lunch. And she loved sweet tea. And she'd always go get her a, a fresh glass of sweet tea. And so she would leave. She'd open up and say, turn your, uh, your, uh, uh, turn your literature book this page, read these pages, and uh, fresh glass of sweet tea across the gym floor, upstairs, down the hall. Did you know this, by the way? But anyway, she'd do that every day. And uh, so we knew we had a certain amount of time, you know. So, of course, she said, now, y'all open your literature books, give us a page, and y'all read while I'm gone. And, of course, while she is gone, we, we, uh, we prayed, read our Bible, and, uh, and uh, sought the Lord and that kind of a thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but I wouldn't get a glass of sweet tea, except she didn't, she didn't go. She just steps outside the door. Some people passing notes, talking and doing things. And, and you know, I had uh, I, that old-fashioned big pen that makes a perfect pea shooter, you know. And she came walking back into the classroom, and there I was, pea shooter in hand. You know, if, if, you, if you're throwing a, a you know, catch it, or if, you, if you're talking out of turn, you can, <clears throat> or but if you got caught red-handed. And she came down the front of the class, and she got right in front. And you know what? Something inside of me rebelled against people. And you know what? There was a season in my life as a teenage lad where I wasn't really. But I want to be a regular kid. I want to be bad. I want to be bad. I was bad too. I was bad. To... And then God had just came in my, and so graciously convicted my heart. And, 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 and it's okay for us to expect more of you. And I had to get that thing right in my heart. Listen. Oh, listen to me, my dear friend. David was missed. i tell you why. Because David was always in his place. And David was a man of character. And when David... If your spot was empty, would you be missed? The Bible said David's seat was empty. And that he was missed. Oh, listen, my dear friend. I don't know about you. But I want to be that faithful man that abounds with blessings. I want to be that full or full of faith. To have faith in something is to have confidence in something. In my marriage, that translates into faithfulness to my marriage. If I say I believe in the work that I'm doing, that translates into faithfulness to my job. I read it in a news world book of record for this, holding the same job longer than anybody else. And they have recorded he started at eight, uh, uh had been at the same job for his 90s, knocking on 100. Believe in something. If you have confidence in something, if you have faith in something, then that... My dear friend, we're going to stand one day before the Lord. Here's what we hope to hear. Well done, thou hidden miss. Well done, thou, well done, thou occasional. Well done, faithful servant. Jesus told a little story. He said, I'm watching. I can trust with a little bit. I'll give him a lot. That's all through the New Testament. God watches how in 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In Matthew 25, 21, we're commended uh, uh, to be a servant. Colossians 1, 2 and Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Talk about faithful brethren. Amen. I want to be among those faithful brethren. Proverbs 27, 6 talks about the wounds of a friend that are faithful. Ah, a faithful friend. I want to be a faithful friend. And Jesus Christ is a faithful friend. Oh, listen, my dear friend. 
said, yes, I'm living in a sinful body. And yes, I'm surrounded with temptation. And yes, I feel as Paul did in Romans 7, that when I intend to do something, I fail to do it. And when I intend not to do something, I end up doing it. Yes, I know we all fail the Lord. But I want to be found faithful. I want to hear those words, well done, thou servant. Unless we were a good and a faithful, is our faithful God. Amen. Our example is our faithful God. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord seen there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. Hey, are you going through the fire? Are you being tested? Can I tell you something? It's 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Maybe you feel like you're an outcast and you don't feel like you belong in the fellowship of believers. You see other believers and they enjoy each other. They talk and they smile and they laugh. You say, I don't have that. The devil wants to tell you you're an outcast. But Ephesians 1, 6 says, this is positional. Listen, this is positional. are accepted in the beloved. Again, how many of you are saved? Say amen. This is your crash head. It is a faithful God who calls us into the fellowship of His dear Son. And just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you, if we believe not yet, He abideth faithful. And He's talking to save, if we believe not yet, He abideth faithful. You got, maybe one day you got saved and you received Christ by faith and you saved. You grew a little bit and then you backslid on God and you got away from God and you got away from the people of God and the things of God, even to the point you say, I'm not sure if I even believe anymore. Yet, if you believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He abideth faithful. Hey, maybe you like I I told Brother Rodney yesterday we was visiting together. I said, Brother Rodney. I said, Man, twenty coming up on twenty seven years of pastoring, I said, in so many words I said, I still I still feel so inadequate at times. We saw Mike preaching and he preached over in the junior church. I remember the first time uh, Wayne Beaver died. The first time I was ever with somebody when they drew their last breath. His daughter Martha had led him to Christ. Uh, uh, not Martha. His daughter led him to Christ. Forgive me. And uh, his wife Ann called me. And I went over there, Forcebrook Circle. And knelt down while he was breathing his last breath. That's the first time I ever saw that. He excelled first time. And Ann looked at me and she said, Here I am, I'm five, 26 years old. Preacher, say something. And I didn't know what to say. Talk for a living. You're supposed to know what to say. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know what to say. Boy, I felt inadequate. How many times I didn't know what to say? I was just sing by somebody's bedside. You know, you think, Pastor, you think, well, we're supposed to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, do we? We don't have all the answers. I can't tell you how many times I felt inadequate, felt foolish. I love to witness at the gas pumps. Now, I'm going to tell this. If I tell this, please don't tell anybody else because it's embarrassing. I promise not to tell. Station at the gas pumps. And I, I, I get witness and get talking to somebody from my car. Take off. Next time you pump gas, fling there. It, it, it's a quick release thing. It'll pop right off. It's for people like. Bob Dalton was over here at the BP, and I was witnessing. I got so excited, man, witnessing this fella. Took off. Ah, I did it again four times. 
please pray for me. You're going to have a meeting. You're going to have a new pastor next week. I feel inadequate. I was at my desk trying to finish my sermon, whatever I was doing, and I, I really waited too long to get out the door. Because we got to hit it. we got just enough time to get there. On our way to school. Got in the car, got a school bus on our road. And I'm behind this school bus. I'm like, oh, here I am. I'm going to be late to school. Man, I, I, I was frustrated. I, I didn't have time to drink my coffee that day, and I had my favorite mug. And I said, I'll drink it on the way to school. I had it in my hand. And I'm behind this school bus, and I got so mad. And I said, this ain't right. God, I'll... And I, I said, you know what, I, I, I'm mad. You know, I, I like to throw fit. And Simon said, you can't throw a fit. I said, why not? That little boy said, because you're the preacher. You can't do that. I said, well, preachers ought to be able to, and I took my cup of coffee, and I just went right out the window. My middle daughter is sitting in the front seat. They, 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 they had no idea what was going on. She's sitting on the front seat. She went on, she baptized. <laughs> Listen to this verse. Don't miss it. You. Faithful is he that calleth you. Some of you are getting service. Some of you are getting ready to launch out into college and Bible college. Some of you are launching out into a new era of your life and, and you say, I don't feel ready. You're not ready. But God will help you. Amen. You're as ready as you can be. Listen, listen, all of us, I still feel the inadequacies of my own life and my own soul. And let me tell you something, that's part of the Christian life. That keeps us needy. That keeps us needy. But we have a God who's faithful. Faithful is He that calleth you. Listen, we do what we do not because of our, uh, because we're completely consistent and we never fail and we never struggle. No, 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 no. But because we lean on a God who never fails. We lean on a God who's always consistent. We lean on a God who's faithful through everything we go through. He's a faithful God. Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Faithful and True. Are you weary of this old world system? You ever, you ever get weary of the injustices that you see around you? Of the godlessness of our society? Of the crime of life? Uh, uh, Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign. Amen. For a thousand years right here. Jerusalem and, 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 and you and I will rule and reign with him. And we'll mount up. Uh, 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 we'll be in heaven already. And we'll mount up on those white horses. coming Behind the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible said he's called faithful and true. Amen. He's faithful. He's the one who never changes. He's, we have a God who never fails. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. You can count on Him. Oh, by God's grace, I want to be a faithful man. Is that what you want to be? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I preach to God's people this morning to the saved. But it may be that someone here is not saved. I don't know.